Hi guys, welcome to a new episode of Healthier You by Giselle Morales. I'm your host and today we have a special guest with us. I'll let them introduce themselves. Hi everybody, this is Maria Angel Morales. I'm the program director here for The Siren. Thank you Giselle for having me today. So today we will be talking about how, you know, culture um, shapes mental health. So we will start, you can introduce, you know, where you're from. Yes, so I'm originally from Maracaibo, Venezuela. I came to the U.S. when I was 15, uh, was 2017. So that was my sophomore year of high school. I started at Ben Davis and it was a huge cultural shock for me because I did not spoke English. I didn't know how high school was supposed to work here. I remember like one of the things they put me to take the PSAT, one of those standardized tests. I didn't even knew how to fill out my address. <laughs> I did not knew anything in high school. You explained it was a culture shock. Can you um, elaborate more on that? Like I wasn't, I knew it was going to be a change because, you know, new culture, new country, new people. I just didn't knew how it was going to be. You know, uh, in Venezuela, I was used to hugging my friends, sometimes even kiss people in the cheek, and not because it was a romantic way. It was just a way of saying hi. You even say hi to strangers, or like, buenos dias, señor, buenos dias, señora, to like your neighbor. While in here, you barely talk to people unless you actually know the people. And... If you have a friend, you usually, okay, can go, say hi, you know, depending on the friend even hug them, but you do not go around kissing people in the cheek mm -hmm. unless it's like, I guess, a romantic way, or at least that is how it is here in Western culture. So I was just a little taken aback by the sudden shift in my life. Yeah, I can relate to that. Um, and I say this because... Um Usually when, for example, here when we're in college, we see Hispanic people, you know, working. And you automatically want to say, you know, good morning, good afternoon. And if you don't, you feel disrespectful towards them. I don't know if you have that same feeling. I have, just because, again, culturally, that's how I have been raised. I have been raised that it doesn't matter if I'm speaking to the president of the school. If I'm talking to the lady who cleans the Norman Center, mm -hmm. to both of them, out of respect, I'm supposed to say, good morning, señor, señora. How has been your day? If they say, like, good and you, I'm saying, good, thank you. Hope you have a good day. You know, something that, uh, personally, I haven't seen a lot of people do in here. And I do know now it's kind of like, Depends on how you have been raised. Depends of like the old culture of like your family. If people are a little more like to themselves, or a little more open. But generally, it's just not that common to see in here. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. um, could you tell tell us a story about yourself? Um, you know, in your childhood, that makes us understand like. Who is Marianne? Okay, so this is a tough one because you did not tell me beforehand, but 
Something about me is that since I was a kid, I have always been interested in talking to people uh, and just doing things. I went to a small Catholic school in Venezuela when, you know, sometimes we'll do like groceries in the morning or we will do Las Posadas or something like that. If we needed like people from our grade to be involved in that, I would be the first one volunteer. If I wasn't there, my class would already volunteer me to do that mm -hmm. just because they knew I was like willing to do it, you know? And that's something that, because I have been used to since I was younger, that's why now I'm here in Marin University as a senior, I'm involved with so many things because no me puedo quedar quieta. Uh, como que me aburro fácil. I get bored if I don't feel that I'm being productive. So that's why I love like giving tours on campus for one of my jobs. That's why I love here the radio station where we can talk to people. We can talk about different topics. I love just exploring cultures, exploring with people, see like, okay, what does this mean to you? Because, you know, there is times that like one object can have so many ways to be called. Like how many different ways in Spanish you can say popcorn? Mm -hmm. I say cotufa, something that people usually don't hear, people can hear like palomitas de maíz, but there's also pochoclo. Let me see, how do you call? Palomas. Palomas. No, I know some people call them gallitos too, or rosetas. Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, it's very interesting because within Hispanic cultures, there's many aspects that can vary depending on the country. So that's why I just love like talking to people and see how do they do it, where they're from. So you mentioned one thing that you said, no me puedo estar quieta, mm -hmm. right? That means you can't be still. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like that came from your parents? That came from the expectation, you know. Uh, I feel like in a lot of countries, like it is expected that, you know, women or niñas, they're supposed to help in the house. They're supposed to help with the younger ones and whatnot. That is something that... Depending on the level, I don't see as bad. I just think that should be for everybody. But personally, I was used to helping with the kitchen, helping start the laundry. If I went to a family meeting, I was part of like the childcare station to say like that. I'll be having to help look over the younger cousins. It was just expected of me. So it kind of like became something that is not part of my personality. I'm the type of person that I carry like on my backpack and stuff like snacks, Tylenol, water, things like that in case anybody else needs it because I just keep caring for people just like I used to do when I was younger. So as you were saying this, I can relate. Um, I don't know if you have ever heard this saying, um, you know, from your family, your grandma or your mom. Entre masa comedida, people like you. See, sí. Yes. So, and, and that is something that has kind of impacted, you know, my mental health because it feels that, like, to be enough, 
to be like a good person. It's like I have to like give in sometimes for others. Like, you know, mis necesidades pasan a un segundo plano. Like my own, uh, I don't want to say well-being, but my wants kind of like go to a second headspace as I have to focus, you know, not just on my academics here, but I also hold jobs on campus. I do extracurriculars. So it's like, okay, are we hosting an event? How can I help? What do I have to do? Or with my own family, I'm the oldest. So one of my siblings, she's just four years old. Whenever I go home, it's like, okay, what does my mom need me to help with? What can I do? Or not just when I'm at home, sometimes while I'm here on college too, I just receive a random call, 8 p.m., like, hey, we have to write this email. We have to fill out this application. Can you help us? And, you know, because of how I have been raised and the cultural expectation, sometimes it's kind of like that pressure to just give in and say yes because it's easier to say Sí, te puedo ayudar. Than to say no. For me, it's very hard to say no. And I actually feel bad when I have to say no to people. Yeah, um, I feel like saying no is really, really hard. Mostly because we both come from a Latino, you know, culture. And we were raised to be for be there for other people, right? Like always put yourself aside. Um, for example, us, like we go visit an aunt, right? We had to have like this perfect um, image of ourselves, if that makes sense. Even though you didn't want to show up, but your mom is... Um, no, I know what you mean because it's like, oh, you have to dress up. No puedes ir en pijama. Tienes que ir como que arreglada. Like not dress up, but you know, dress up literally. You also cannot go empty-handed. You have to, like, bring something. When you're, like, visiting a house, it's like, you ask, like, oh, how can I help you? If you were eating, oh, te ayudo con los platos. Like, and that is something that I actually realized recently uh, because when I went to my boyfriend's house, uh, his mom was, like, you know, she spent the time cooking dinner and whatnot, and I automatically went to wash uh, dishes because that's, something normal for me and they were kind of horrified that instead of putting <laughs> the dishes in the how is it called in the washing machine yeah. I was trying to do them by hand <laughs> like <laughs> why does this girl shows up in my house and I start doing the dishes you know and it's because you know I guess our culture is just towards that you know a little more like community family oriented that you know plus I feel like in our case, if there is something to do, we should offer to help do it. So relating to that, um, how you say we are expected um, to help and stuff, right? For example, um, maybe you have had that comment before. Like, let's say you were going into a house, right? You know you didn't feel like going to visit you know, your family members, your, you know, your aunt. What Did you ever get the comment from your parents, like, switch that face or, like, change your um, character? Not me, but I have a younger sister. She's 14. 
And so when we came, she was like seven to eight years old. So, you know, most of her formative years have now been here. So she has adapted to that, like to American culture, basically. So my parents, they get frustrated with her when she like acts out in the way of like, you know, not really being willing to like do some of the stuff that we do. So sometimes when we go to visit family, she's like not in humor. So they are like, quita esa cara, you know. Also in the house, in our own house, it's like, oh, why are you not helping with the dishes? Why don't you ask us, how can you help? Or why are you not looking over the four-year-old? And she says, well, my friends don't have to do that. Or like when she asks, hey, can I go over to my friend's house? parents like no because there's things to do here too and why do you want to go it's kind of like I see a big like cultural shock between them because she's kind of in the middle you know neither key neither yeah she f- wants to feel like her rest of the friends because she sees that as normal but my parents expectations are completely different you know and even goes to like academics you know Depending of the family, because I don't want to generalize, but I feel that a lot of families here that are a little more lenient. They're like, okay, you're passing your class with a B. That's great. You're passing the class. While my parents are like, well, if you got the B, why you don't have an A? Your sister was able to do it. Then why can you not do the same? You know? So that's a thing that I guess also differs because she's the middle child and I'm the oldest. I have done different things, you know, like I graduated from high school with good GPA. I came to college in a scholarship. They're expecting her to do the same or more because it's that expectation of like, well, that's why we came to this country. So you guys will have better life, better opportunities. So I expect you to work as hard or more than the rest of the people here. So now that you hit education, because we just talked about how your culture, you know, what has shaped you, right? Like Mm -hmm. to become the person you are, like who is Marangeli, right? But now that you hit education, um, we're going to switch gears to education. And at the end, like, you know, we will talk on how it all affects, you know, our mental health culture wise. You're a first generation, right? Mm -hmm. So as first generation, you receive pressure, right? So can you tell us a little bit about your experience? Oh, it was definitely like not an easy thing, mostly because when I got to Wendy, that was my sophomore year, I didn't spoke English. So my main focus that year was learning the language. Junior year was like, okay, now I understand things and learning about what requirements for graduation. How do I make sure that I will graduate on time? Then senior year came and it was like, okay, I know I'm graduating, but what is next? I knew my parents wanted me to get better opportunities, so I was like, okay, college sounds good. But I went to Ben Davis, a big public school. I really didn't know how to navigate that because there were so many people. I didn't know who to talk to, who to reach out. Also, a lot of my friends, they were talking about Ivy Tech or IUPY. 
or those are public institutions which, in my case not being just first-generation Basque immigrant, it's actually not easy for me to get into those institutions and be able to pay for those things either. So I found my there was this counselor who focused on college admissions, uh, YAPRS. He really helped me navigate that, like, okay, take the SAT, take the ACT, because even though they're not required anymore, they can help you get scholarships. Okay, make sure that you're putting your community service in the essays, that you're explaining how scholarships are important for you to achieve college education and why do you want to do that? But doing that while also navigating high school classes, I was taking AP honors classes, so navigating that plus college plus that year is when my younger sister was born. So helping my mom navigate the healthcare system here, which can be confusing and scaring because she was the first kid who was born here. Doing all that was very, very stressing. More because any time that I tried to apply to a UPY or a public institution, the first thing that they asked me is that if I was a citizen or a resident, or if I was in track to get that, and I wasn't. So they automatically shook, shook down the door. So I was just what do I do now? It was very, very discouraging, mostly because, you know, there's very few scholarships out there that are willing to pay for college. And when most of them close the door at your face and say, sorry, we cannot help you, I don't know how many times I cry while I was doing that, navigating that, because it was so many things to consider and whatnot. Luckily enough, uh, the counselor, he got me to apply for the Lily Endowment Community Scholarship, which is the scholarship that has kept me through college. They didn't care about my immigration status. They saw that I was trying to work hard through high school, that I was even doing more than what I needed to. They believed on me, and they were the ones that put me here at Marion, which is great, but then the conflict was like, how do I navigate? How do I survive, Marian? Because there was, not only was, it still is a predominantly white institution. So, you know, they were great at recruiting me because they wanted to get more diverse, but they did not know how to deal with me. A lot of teachers did not know how to explain things to English as a second language learners. They did not know what was an academic accommodation for extended time. They did not understood why I needed those accommodations. I needed some more time to be able to get my test, not because I was done, but because I needed that accommodation as part of like my process to adapt here in the U.S. And there were so many other things that also has happened here in Marion, which has been very discouraging for me. But being a first generation, like trying to get here and staying here hasn't been easy. So even though in part, uh, I'm like I'm still nervous to see what I'm going to do after graduation. I'm also looking forward to getting out of here and mm-hmm. see what life has next for me because it has been happy and rewarding, but also has been a painful and sad road that I have had 
to walk to get to the point where I'm at. I can't really, because I know my siblings that went through the same process. And I feel like that's where that pressure comes in, right? It's like, you say you cried. Did your parents ever knew that, you know, you cried or, you know, that you were like, just like ball yourself out? I don't think they know the whole story because I was like feeling guilty. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, they have so many things to worry about, how to put food in the table, finding a good job to provide for the family and whatnot. They were also dealing with my younger sister, also dealing with my older sister, you know, getting her through middle school, now to high school. So I was like, oh, their problems are more important than mine. So it's not even worth it trying to add that to their plate or not worth it. It's not fair that I'm adding to that. Me sentía una carga para mis papás. So in part they know, but in other parts they do not know everything I have gone through college. And that's another thing that people do not understand. Like some people understand, you know, when we're stressed because of finals, midterms, a test that we forgot or group projects, because I think most of us can agree that group projects are a nightmare here in college. It's so difficult to try to get to everybody to work together, align schedules and whatnot. But a lot of people, unless you're an immigrant or a first generation, you do not know what is that. You do not know what are the family expectations, how you or your parents have to work sometimes more than one job to not just pay for college, but put food in the table, pay for your medical expenses, how you cannot take a sick day or a mental health day because you have to work or you have to study. They do not know what it is how to deal with immigration processes, fill out forms. They simply just don't know. I agree everything you have said. I feel like there's a stigma in our culture, right, on putting pressure, not just you have to be a hardworking person, right? You have to get that education. Like, it's like you have to worry about that first, right? That pressure that even though you might be breaking down inside, but you have to hold strong, you know, for your parents, for your family. And I feel like my experience has been a a little different than yours. Um, So I was born here, but I have, you know, my older siblings that, Um, they immigrated and for me I'm the youngest and my my point of view is a little different than yours Um, especially since you know my siblings um, they only got like their associate's degree and so for me it's more like I get comments like you're from here you have to get scholarships like if I don't get a scholarship, they're like, um, what did you do? Like, I have a brother who always tells me, like, what are you studying for? Or, you know, like, you know, I get comments like, you should do better. You know, get com- you need to be successful, right? And it's yeah. like, you get all that pressure. Why are you even, like, I got a comment from my mom because um, I actually wanted to be a psychologist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if it's in God's plan, that's one of my biggest dreams to become a clinical psychologist. And you know that stigma that's around our culture regarding mental health. 
I remember the first time I told my, you know, my family I wanted to be a psychologist. Um, it wasn't the reaction I was waiting for. Um, they were basically told me, why study that career, you know? And it's like right now, I'm like, this is really what I want. The people that I have always obeyed my whole life, they're not agreeing to my, like, my desire. Well, and I know exactly what you're talking about because the thing is that I started as a nursing major because I was like, well, I can help people, which is something I have been used to since I was younger, and I'm going to have a good career because, you know, you see hospitals everywhere, they're always hiring. They're always looking for nurses. You see the starting salaries, they look great. The signing bonuses, the benefits, I was like, if I do that, I'm going to be set up. And because it's a traditional career too, you know, there's nurses everywhere around the world. My family was like, go for it. They were really happy. But then when I got to my junior year of college, I switched my career to public health, which makes sense for me because I was like, okay, instead of waiting for people to get sick, I want to try to prevent them from getting sick. They did not really understand that. You know, and I don't think they really told me everything that they wanted to tell me because, you know, in their faces mm -hmm. <laughs> when they're, you know, trying to keep stuff for them and they don't say it. But la cara los delata. Mm -hmm. Their faces say everything. And they were like, well, if you're sure you want to do that, then go for it. We're going to support you however we can. But I know they were hesitant because they were like, okay, what are you going to do after graduation then? And that's something that has impacted my mental health because now I kind of had that doubt about myself. Like, am I going to be able to secure a good job after graduation? Should I go for my master's? Should I take a gap year and work to get more experience? What am I doing? Did I just waste four years of school? Like... Nursing, it wasn't just that I switched in what I wanted to do. My personal experience with the nursing program here in the school and the nursing rotations I had were very, very toxic. I did not feel supported at all and even sometimes attacked or discriminated against of while I was in the nursing program here. So that's why people encouraged me to leave it and switch to something that was going to be better for me and open more doors. You know, but my family did not quite understood that because mental health is, like you say, an stigma. Oh, you're stressed? You're depressed? Mm -hmm. Do something. Yes. Don't think about that. <laughs> that's not real. That's not a thing. If you feel bad, if you feel sad, Ponte a limpiar, yeah. ponte a hacer algo, so you don't think about that. And, you know, we're laughing now, even though people cannot see us smiling or laughing, but it's quite sad that we use the humor to cope with these things mm -hmm. because a stigma around mental health, even though now we talk about it, is still such a big thing. It's like now we recognize that there's an elephant in the room but we do not approach the elephant. We do not talk about it. We do not really treat it. It's just like, wow, like... <laughs> There's just so many things, yeah. you know. There's so many things. It's, it's demasiado. Like, we yeah. could be talking for in here for hours and hours, 
and we will have more things to talk about. Many things that impact mental health. I feel that, you know, my identity as, as an older daughter, you being a younger daughter, us being, you know, here being here in college when it's a predominantly white institution where we're Latinas, also figuring out what do we want to do after graduation, that and more. It's just like keeps things piling up, you know. Yeah. And it's like you still have to act like nothing's going on. Yeah. And, you know, just suck it through it. And I feel like that's like the hardest thing. Yeah, because it's like do not know, do not let people know that you're suffering. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's kind of like that thing that Hispanics and I feel other cultures do. It's like put your accomplishments in public, like let people know, oh, I got this award, I'm graduating. But do not let people know you were struggling. A struggle by yourself, a struggle in the dark. But I feel that, you know, now the younger generation, so us, we're a little better about doing that. You know, like right now we're talking to each other. Like here on campus, there is that counseling services and a lot of other universities have stuff like that too. Even on internet, which, you know, can be both good and bad, that at least there you can more often than not also find communities and support groups to talk about these things because it's okay to be sad and to cry, but we shouldn't be doing that by ourselves. That's the thing. I feel that part of it is that family doesn't really understand what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Like my parents, they know I'm studying. They know I'm busy. They don't know what I'm doing really. They know I go to classes, but they don't know what I do in my classes. They know I work on campus. I don't think they know I have four jobs on campus. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do in each of them, you know? It's like that lack of understanding, but I guess that's why it's good that now we can do things like this and open up. So, you know, we're not just reflecting and healing mm -hmm. with each other, but we're also educating others. Because, you know, sometimes... They do that not because they're bad people or because they want to hurt us because, you know, sometimes it can be hurtful. So as we're wrapping up, um, so all these experiences that you have shared with us today, how do you feel it has impacted your mental health? Again, like I think I mentioned it before, it has really shaken me off. There has been times that I cry. There has been times that I'm not doing well. But there is times that, you know, now I have come to realize that I don't have to do this by myself. It's okay to talk and whatnot. So I guess it has encouraged me to seek help, seek support from my friends and my community. Because even though it's a stigma, it doesn't mean that I have to keep it that way, mm -hmm. you know? Again, if we want to see a change, we have to be the generation that changes things. We cannot wait for the old generation to just suddenly wake up one day and think, oh, yeah, no, that was bad. What we were doing, we were not supposed to be doing those things. That's not going to happen. It would be great if we would, you know, dreaming is free. It's a vale soñar. But we have to start somewhere so we can get to that point. So... You know, that's why I'm grateful that you invite me here today. I think it was great to talk with you. And I just hope that, you know, anybody out there knows that you are not alone. 
You don't have to suffer by yourselves. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to cry. But as for health, do not do that by yourselves. Thank you, Maria Angeli. Thank you. <laughs>